0: The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv
1: today. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com.
2: Welcome to Autism One, A Conversation of Hope, brought to you by Enzymedica, with host Terry Aranga and Kristen Selby-Gonzalez. All comments, views, and opinions expressed are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. In the next hour, Terry and her guest illuminate how right now there is more reason than ever for individuals with autism spectrum disorders and their families to have the best hope for the brightest future. Through education and conversation, there is hope. Here are your hosts, Terry and Kristen.
3: Hi, everyone. This is Kristen Selby Gonzalez, and I am just super excited to be back, and um, Terry will be back next week. Um today, we have such a, just a, such a cool show. Um, one of my friends and just somebody I really really admire. Um, we have here today. Her name is Lauren S. Henry, and she is a color expert and design um, sensory design specialist and the president and founder um, with a brush of love, a company that transforms the lives of children diagnosed with autism and other special needs through their surroundings. She's also been speciali- um, she's been specializing in this field for almost a decade. She- she works internationally and she's the author of uh, a book called Unique Kids, Unique Surroundings, which you guys can pick up on Amazon. She's also been on several TV um, appearances, such as places like the, uh, ABC's um, Extreme Makeover Edition, The Home Edition, and also HGTV's uh, H- uh, Kid Space. So welcome, Lauren. My gosh, I swear, I, there's so much you've done. I, I think it would have taken me an hour to keep going through the whole list. You've been around for so long. I'm so excited you're here.
4: Thank you so much, Kristen. It is my pleasure. I'm thrilled to be here.
3: Well, you know, a lot of people um, are probably thinking, okay, I want to know what a color expert is. And, um, you know, when you're thinking about sensory design uh, specialists, I don't think, I mean, are you one of the only, I I would imagine you're the elite um, in our community. Would I be accurate in saying that? Um, I think
4: that I've just been around for uh, a little longer in terms of this specificity. There are certainly other people that uh, have the same Um, credential in terms of being a color expert, perhaps in the field of interior design or in other areas, Uh, but I think that there are very few of us who specialize specifically in this particular field with regard to how color affects those on the spectrum and those with special needs in general because it is a very unique niche um, and therefore your expertise has to be a little more focused in terms of shades and colors and, and hues and depths of color and saturations and things of that that will affect a child more specifically on the spectrum than just uh, your average everyday Joe or Jane, if you will. But we are <laughs> all affected by color. Let me just state that very you know specifically and unequivocally.
3: Well, you know, for the listeners that are listening right now, um, you guys can call in. And if you have specific questions for Lauren, this is the time to get them answered. And call in at one eight six six four seven two five seven nine two. 472 5792 Again, that's one eight six six four seven two. 472 Five seven nine two, And, you know, this is the time I'm thinking, gosh, if I'm a parent at home, I'm thinking, okay, I want to look at my living room, I want to look at my kid's bedroom, you know, even asking questions about, um, you know, the school environment. And so I'm thinking of also all the work and, you know, all the hours we spend on therapy with our children. I know we're going to go over this throughout the show, but, you know, how important that environment is, um, Lauren, and I I just, you know, how I feel about sensory uh, integration and sensory design, and I, gosh, I wish I would have found you seven years ago, <laughs> because, you know, you, I, I just, I think what you're doing is so phenomenal and going to help so many families, and I know you've helped thousands of families around the world, and I know people want to know, what are you currently working on?
4: Well, right now it's very exciting. Um, I've actually been focusing uh, a lot of my time um, on a new project, a TV pilot, that uh, is kind of still under wraps, but we're in meetings right now. We're very excited because we want to bring this to the masses. We want, you know, I I can say easily, having seen the way that one's surroundings have affected the child or, you know, the teenager, Um, or the parent, frankly, and then by extension their families has been even overwhelming to me uh, to see the changes. And, you know, it's not that it changes or um, eradicates the the issues that a parent or family member deals with when you're dealing with children uh, on the autism spectrum, but what it does is alleviate so much of the extra stress, so much of the extra struggle that doesn't need to be there Because the main issue really has to do with the fact that, like you said, so many families are spending thousands of dollars on therapies, and very often they're in the home. And you want those therapies, occupational, behavioral, speech, whatever they are, to work as optimally as possible. And the issue comes when you're working in a space that, unbeknownst to the parent, uh, is, is exacerbating the very issue you're wanting to change. And that's what I feel is the unnecessary struggle. Oftentimes it doesn't need to be such a complicated solution or fix. It can be things that while they're done uh, individually when they come together, they make a huge, huge, significant impact on um, an individual's ability to progress and reach their potential and Feel the way they need to in their own surroundings it's literally like a uh, an invisible personal assistant if you will which is what I call it your surroundings should sort of in my opinion buoy um, you into a scenario that just flows so when you walk into a space based on your individual emotional and mental needs psychological needs and the function of that space whether it be a bedroom a playroom, a kitchen, a den, or a multi-purpose space, meaning that it's a space that you use for two or three purposes, you should be able to accomplish that function and that goal you know, fairly easily without too much effort and stress. And very often we are unaware that the very surrounding we're in is doing the opposite and we're having to work that much harder.
3: It's funny as you're saying that because I'm thinking, okay, when I go into, like, a place like Home Depot, right,
5: Mm -hmm.
3: or one of those, um, you know, even, like, a big chain store, and it has those fluorescent lights and um, maybe lots of echoing because maybe there's not, like, a ceiling, and the colors are crazy, and there's so much clutter, and um, the smells are different. I'm not joking. When I go into, like, especially Home Depot, and it could be just because I don't really do a lot of, you know, home improvement kind of things. However, I get a horrible, horrible headache, and my body just feels as though I want to get there as fast as I possibly can. So imagine a kid being maybe in a bedroom or a classroom. I mean, especially a child with autism, it must intensify, you know, 10,000 times more.
4: Oh, without a doubt. And that's really where this whole thing started is that I was teaching, and uh, I I was just floored by the... Constant I mean, the visual chaos in our classrooms was overwhelming, and I'm sure as a parent, you're familiar with that when you know you might need to go into um, your your child's class or what have you, especially you know in in more public schools, and I'm certainly not knocking public schools because that's where I grew up. But what I'm saying is the demand on teachers has been so pushed to the edge, and so, they're needing to take on more students and they're they're needing to have so much more in terms of their educational tools surrounding them and at their fingertips that there's so much visual chaos in the room. As a teacher, I even found it distracting and hard to focus. And so for all the kids, it's more challenging. But for children on the spectrum, it, I mean, my goodness, it was just ridiculous. And then when... You know those children weren't responding well, and we would they would be placed in a separate uh, room in order to alleviate what the trouble was. It was even worse because you go from chaos to this stark, cold space that is not, you know, uh, created for anything in specifically other than just to house. Um, children that are going through whatever they're going through for that time. You know, it's like a little office, if you will, a smaller room, and it's cold and it's gray and there may be one desk, and that creates more agitation and confusion, almost as if it's a punishment when it is not. But that child is going from chaos to chaos. It's just a different kind, and it was blaringly apparent to me that the one space that focuses on kids, was not conducive in terms of the, the visual and the sensory elements. And it's certainly not the teacher's fault. It's just, you know, that sort of unawareness, or I should say lack of awareness, or I hate to say the word ignorance, but the powers that be have to understand that when you're creating a school that focuses on children, it's not just about four walls, a blackboard, and a teacher any longer. And that's, Something you know, I, I'm, I'm obviously um, oversimplifying a bit, but I'm just trying to highlight that one. Surroundings is uh, they're extremely important. They're fundamental. So we're not talking about decorative. We're talking about fundamental foundations, like a house. You know, without building that foundation before you build the house, the house is going to crumble, and that's literally what happens when you're when you're not paying attention other than the aesthetic of a design to how it's going to affect um, an individual, but especially one on the spectrum. And that's what we do. We work completely from the psychological need inward. Psychological need comes first, the function of the space comes second, and then we look, of course, at the aesthetic and the budget.
3: Well, you know, when I, as you're talking, I'm thinking, because I used to teach years ago, kindergarten and first grade, and I swear if I could go back and... T- do it totally different. I would because um, I think about how my classroom, you know, looked. And I this is before I knew anything about sensory integration. This is before um, I knew anything about even special needs. And you know, I wanted all my walls. And for a lot of teachers out there, we get very excited to decorate for every season, and, you know, we get all the cute little, um, I did a lot of Susie Zoo kind of stuff, and um, we get all the cute little, you know, uh, critters on the walls and uh, different things like that. And I know now, thinking of what my poor classroom looked like, I have no idea how my children functioned because it was so busy, and I know my own son, there is no way that he could function, you know, in a classroom like that. Right. And and yet, I know I'm hoping teachers are listening Because, you know, we do our best, but I think it would be so neat to have somebody like you go into different districts and before the school, you know, before the school season starts, um, you know, we're in our classrooms probably by July, getting everything kind of ready. um, And how neat would that be for you to do a seminar for, and you probably have already, but for the different districts and really giving them tips because, you know, for teachers, especially listening out there, I know how important it is for your guys' tests to be a particular um, way for the district, like that's all we ever hear about is our test scores, you know. Mm-hmm. And imagine how well even not just special needs children but even typical kids could do in a classroom designed um, with a different type of um, background like what you're talking about. You know, absolutely,
4: and I think that is a great point. And, you know, I, I love doing things like that, but the one thing I want parents to know is, and teachers, frankly, is you don't have to stop, doing all those fun things. It's just the way that we do them. And the thing is, is that we all get so accustomed, like you were saying, you know, your kids, um, your classroom kids, your your students, you wonder how they focused or how they got through anything. But the thing is, we, we raise children in chaos. We just don't realize it between, especially now, with their heads being in every sort of computer 24 hours a day, and all of the things that are accessible that weren't when we were little. I mean, there was really, when we were kids, there was really a very clear, you know, we watch TV this time, we play outside, we do our homework, we go to school. But there was never any connection outside of, you know, when you're in school, you're in class. The idea of having a cell phone or the idea of having a computer game at your fingertips, you know, with every good thing that comes from all of this um, progress and all of these tools, communication which is very necessary at the same time there's always the extreme use or abuse of it even and, uh, it becomes when a back, little
3: babysitter you know and when we come back one uh, we'll continue picking up where we left off and guys call in if you have any questions we'll be right back
0: you're listening to voice america
2: health and wellness
1: The Mayan calendar tells us that we will be entering into a 260-day opportunity for us to engage in conscious co-creation with great spirit. How will we prepare ourselves for this exciting and unprecedented time in Earth's history? Peter Tung has dedicated over 20 years of his life's work to exploring that which is beyond understanding. Peter will help increase your awareness and education on this enlightening transformation in consciousness. Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation airs live Wednesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on 7th Wave Network.
0: In the spirit of Have Couch, Will Travel, Dr. Carol Lieberman creates a haven of sanity in an increasingly insane world. Each day we are bombarded with news of events that have never crossed our wildest nightmares. Society is spiraling out of control and everyone is reeling from it. But now there's an answer. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness.
2: Welcome back to Autism One, A Conversation of Hope, with your host, Terry Aranga and Kristen Selby-Gonzalez. If you have a question or comment, call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5792. Now back to the program, here are Terry and Kristen.
3: Hi, everyone. This is Kristen Selby-Gonzalez. Um, Terry Arango will be back. Um, actually, uh, to be honest, uh, Betsy Hicks will be doing the show next week, and Terry will be back the following. So um, we are so excited. We have been talking to Lauren S. Henry, um, who is the founder and president of A Brush for Love, and we've been talking about how important our sensory environment is and what we can do in the space that we have. Uh, during commercial break, we have a couple callers have called in, and I believe Janet, are you on the line?
6: Hi, Kristen. Um, Hi. I have a question for you. I have um, two sons that share a room in my home. One is a very highly recovered uh, special needs child, and the other is neurotypical. And the problem I run into is they have very different demeanors about them. Um, my highly recovered child, he's very, very calm. Um, he kind of likes peaceful, quiet environments. He goes off by himself just to kind of get peace. And my other son tends to be the more hyperactive, uh, always seeking input. Um, he has it when he lays down, he jumps around in his bed a lot, and he makes a lot of noises, um, just trying to get that input. And I'm trying to create an environment in their room that is beneficial to both boys. Do you have any suggestions around that?
4: You know what, Janet, that's a great question, and um, I'm so glad you called in. In fact, when I did the show Kids Space on HETV, that's exactly what we did. We worked with um, two boys, one neurotypical, one had uh, Asperger's, and you know, you have to create a space that works for both. So, right. since you have a space that, um, where you know, where both your boys need something opposite, what I try to do is find the one thing that works for both. So, if you're Highly uh, recovered, as you were saying, child needs a calm, obviously. And mm-hmm. your younger child, is, is he younger or is he older, by the way? He's actually older. He's older, a few he, years older. And mm-hmm. did they, are they close? Do they connect? Yeah, they do tend to connect.
6: I like that interaction, you know, between them. I like to keep that relationship going.
4: Is there something they enjoy doing that is the same, that they communicate on, or not at all?
6: Well, yeah, they do. I mean, they have little games they like to play. I mean, of course, you know, you're talking about electronics and stuff. They like to play their their DSs together, and they like to play um, a computer game that they both get on and share together, and they like some of the same shows.
4: Okay, so let me ask you a few questions first. What does the room look like right now in terms of color? Well, we have it decorated in a theme that my oldest son
6: seems to enjoy, and that's he's really into Nautical and the Titanic. So, you know, we have a lot of blues and reds and there's a lot of nautical things on the wall and there's ships and the giant frame pictures of the Titanic and stuff in their room
4: okay so. and your um, your son who looks for more calming scenarios mm-hmm. is he out of the room a lot
6: actually that's where he tends to go when he wants quiet time he actually goes up and he likes to lay on his bed and be in his room during his quiet time so you know I don't know that the colors or anything like that seem to bother him right now it's just how old is he? You know, it is probably very busy in there.
4: <laughs> how old is he? He is eight. Well, the blues, although I don't know how bright they are, the blues mm-hmm. are always a great color because they are calming, depending, good. of that's course, the on their The majority
6: color in there is the blue, and it's a deeper blue.
4: Okay. Um, you know, if, if red is not the predominant color, that's a good thing.
6: Mm-hmm. Oh, good, I, good. I would
4: good. Um, I would definitely probably tone down the amount of... Um, Stuff As you said, you know, like ships and, and framed yeah. pictures and all that kind of thing. And I would make sure that the lighting is not fluorescent.
6: Okay, good. And
4: it's not. <laughs> yeah, use use soft white lights or um, daylight as much as possible. Okay. You definitely want to bring down the clutter. So if if there's a lot of clutter out, if there's a lot of things that you can physically see that, you know, are transparent, um, I would put as much as I could in a you know, a closed, opaque area, whether it be a cabinet, whether it be a uh, closet, um, it's much better to have less than more. And in terms of them sharing a space, you know, I always make sure that both children's um, interests are acknowledged, but not so much always on a grand scale. So perhaps I I would have one or two pictures of um, something that the child likes that is active, you know, like ships or whatever, but on a much smaller scale. Okay. So I wouldn't necessarily have huge, you know, 8 by 10 pictures. And I would make sure that there are more pictures, you know, that there's at least two pictures, if not more, on the larger side of family so that your sons feel connected from a uh, subliminal place to their family, to you, without you being there. It allows them to feel more independent, more secure, whether it be consciously or subliminally, just by them seeing you, seeing them with you, and seeing just the two of you. So like one with parents, one with the whole family. That's great advice. Yeah, there's a connection that makes them feel very secure. And, you, you know, you don't need to know it verbally. They may not even express it to you, but there's a... There's a calmness and a security mm-hmm. that happens in that scenario that is, as I said, it's it's subconscious and it it's allows so much more tranquility. That.
6: Because I gave um I gave both my kids like this. It was about a it was probably a five by seven you know shaped picture of our family. Mm-hmm. And I do notice that the one that liked the peace and calm grabbed that picture and he put it right next to his bed and he keeps that next to his bed. So it's Correct. interesting that you say that. And the other thing that you said that really helped me is I just took off their closet doors because they kept, you know, they're the sliding kind and they kept slamming them back and forth and I was afraid they were going to pinch their fingers in them.
5: Yeah. So I took their
6: closet doors off the hinges and have it open, and that's where all their shelving and books and things yeah, are. And it's I would probably definitely much busier, to... so I probably need to put them back up.
4: <laughs> yeah, or, or, you know, it's a good point that you made about hurting their fingers. You know, if, uh-huh. if it's possible to replace the door with a you know, with a sliding uh, um. Maybe even if you have a sliding door and you don't want them to pinch it, put like yeah. a hook. Do you know yeah. what I mean? That they have to hook it um, to the wall. Uh, just a, a little nail and eye hook. Everything mm-hmm. doesn't have to be so, um, like I said, complicated or pricey. But definitely, I would remove the the Titanic pictures and put okay. the uh, you know at least two eight by ten pictures of one of just the parents and one of the entire family up and have them, their beds or their heads facing a scenario where they can see the door um, if they're uncomfortable so that they can see who is going where. They feel a little more autonomy and control right. in terms of their space. Wonderful. Thanks so much for your advice. It's my pleasure, Janet. I wish you the best of luck. And you might want to consider getting the book, The Unique Kids, Unique Surroundings, because it has all this information in there. Absolutely, I will do that. Thank you. You're very welcome.
3: Good luck. Thanks, <laughs> Thanks. Janet. Bye. Okay, we have another caller. I know, um, oh gosh, everyone's so excited to talk to you, Lauren. It's great. Um, our next caller, are you there? Yes. Hi, what was your name?
5: My name's Lisa.
3: Hi, Hi Lisa. Lisa, how are you?
5: I'm good. How are you?
3: Oh good. So my Do you
5: question? have a question Do you
3: have a question for Lauren?
5: Yes, I do have a question for Lauren. I have a home office and currently my walls are off-white and I'd like to uh, know what you would recommend uh, for a paint color that would uh, give good energy and calmness for the area.
4: Well, it's a great question. Again, Lisa, I'm so glad I'm getting these questions. Um, that's one of the things that we do as well is we focus on concentration and focus and improving productivity in especially one one's home office. So let me ask you, How do you feel when you're in that space? Do you even notice?
5: Um, Well, I feel like it's kind of, you know, it's clean and I like the lines, but I feel like it could still be a better energy than it is.
4: Yeah, of course. Um, Off-white is is difficult. A lot of people have that kind of color. And my first comment to them is um, look at the uh, lighting. Because whatever lighting you have that bounces off of a color on the wall changes everything. Okay. So if it's fluorescent, you want to get rid of it. Okay. Again, anytime you can have a soft white light, um, you can have natural lighting is much better. And if you have the kind of lighting in your office or your, you know, whether it's a home office or not, that you feel like it's too expensive to replace, my suggestion is always to um, get a you know, $15 standing light at Target, if you will, um, and get a separate white or soft light bulb. Okay. And that way you, turn, you, know, you save your energy money, you save on your energy bill, because you're turning off the light in your home and you're using the standing light as needed, along with any sunlight you can get from your space. Okay. meaning from the, you know, any windows that surround you. And that allows you to be in control, but it, it allows you also to use natural lighting, which works with your body and the natural rhythm of your body. And it makes a very big difference.
5: Okay. That's
4: number one. Number two, in terms of color, it has a lot to do with your, who you are and what you're affected by. You know, what, what colors are you drawn to? And I would stay away from anything that's overly primary in color. Okay. Okay. Um, I would go to colors that allow you to feel, you don't want to feel too relaxed and too calm because it'll, it could pull the energy from you. Okay. So you want something that is a color that I would say has more sustainable energy. And those tend to be kind of middle-of-the-road colors where they're not overly um, energizing and they're not overly relaxing. They have a little bit of pop but not too much. So okay. one of the things I often suggest, is to use, like, let's say if you like a green or you like a blue as an example, that you uh, counter it with a color that's more um, grounding, maybe a cafe, maybe a, a brown that's a little bit deeper. But you can have a little of both. If the neutrals don't appeal to you and you really just want to have one color that has a little more energy, then again, just be careful of the um, very bright colors, and remember that anything you look at on a small little chip, paint chip, is going to be uh, darker in two coats, and it's going to look much different on a grand scale. So you want to be okay. careful when you're looking at a color, and you say, "Oh, that's so pretty," or it's it's fun and cheery. You want to be careful that it's not too bright. Okay. Um, I, I would this again nice. suggest. Um, if the first, I'm going to have the first like 15 people who contact me directly. I'm going to get them the book at half price, but it's on Amazon, it's on my website. But all of this is in Unique Kids, Unique Surroundings. It's okay. it's literally like a, a 60 page guide to help people make these kinds of decisions okay. based on their personal needs. Does that help at all, or is it too?
5: It does help very much. Thank you. I have a lot of natural light in the room currently, and so my thought was to do, you know, a blue or a green or even, you know, like a shade of uh, – well, I have a brown floor, so I'm not really sure. I thought maybe a purple because I love the color purple.
4: If you Um, like purple, I would just make sure you keep it on the more, you know – I don't want to say too lilac because that could be really oh, overly yeah, no, calming. Would... You want to have something with, again, a little bit of energy. So okay. maybe a lavender with a little bit of pop. But anytime you're doing an office, make sure that your accents are the things that have the extra, the brighter colors that you like. Don't make it the entire room and keep it minimal. Okay. Keep the, the focus minimal.
5: Okay,
3: no, well, thank you so time. much. Thanks so thank much, you. Lisa, for calling in. Okay, and we will be think? right back. If you guys have more questions, feel free to call, and we will be back with Lauren.
0: Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health & Wellness.
1: Most chronic health problems are caused by the interaction between genetic susceptibility and environmental exposure. This was defined 10 years ago by the Centers for Disease Control. Join Dr. Robin Bernhoff for 21st Century Medicine. We will cover the whole spectrum of chronic illness and little-known medical treatments that are being used to make you healthier. 21st Century Medicine airs live every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health & Wellness Channel.
0: Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health & Wellness.
2: Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope, with your host Terry Aranga and Kristen Selby Gonzalez. If you have a question or comment, call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5792. Now back to the program. Here are Terry and Kristen. Hi everyone. This is
3: Kristen Selby Gonzalez and I am hosting this week. Uh, this month is a very exciting month because um, as I was saying during the last segment um, Betsy Hicks will be here uh, next week on March 8th and her guest is Sharon Ross Ingram who is the CEO of the International Center for strategic planning and then I will be back on the 15th and then Terry Arink will be back on the 22nd so you have a very exciting um, month this month for March and you um, and Actually, I also wanted to take this time to remind everybody, if you haven't heard, um, go to autism1.org because the Autism One conference this year is free. Very, very exciting. First time ever. I believe there's a $25 registration fee, but other than that, on um, the 150 speakers, all free. They have lots of really cool different things. They have spa night, dad's night out, karaoke night. They have an, um, basically a dinner on an award show on Saturday. It's going to be an amazing amazing times, so make sure you go to autism1.org for all of those, inform- um, all those details and that information. And we have been talking to Lauren S. Henry, and she has been telling us all this great stuff about how to help our environment and how to make it more uh, sensory-friendly for us. And uh, hi, Lauren. How are you still? I'm great. I'm really enjoying this. Oh, it's been great. I know the listeners are listening, thinking, wow, this is so great and so exciting. And, you know, they probably want to know, one, let's talk about where your website is and, and also how they can find your book.
4: Well, they can find me at uh, com. And they can also reach me directly at lauren, L-A-U-R-E-N, at brushoflove.com. And I just want to say that the first um, 15 people to reach me today will be getting the book at uh, 50% off. Very cool. I just want to tell your viewers that, I mean, your listeners, I should say, um, (laughs) Unique Kids, Unique Surroundings, my book can be found on my website at brushoflove.com and at amazon.com as well. Um, And that definitely has, as I mentioned, all the information we're talking about in a little more depth, but it's a really great guide, uh, regardless of who you are, just to understand yourself and your child better and be able to create an environment that works for you and your entire family, but of course, most importantly, uh, any child with a special need or on the spectrum.
3: Very cool, and so make sure, guys, to take advantage of that and contact her so you can get that book, because I know I have a copy of your book. It's awesome. I love it, and it's it's a really, um, to me, it's a very user-friendly book, so it's it really takes you step by step and really explains. You did a beautiful job on it. Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate that. Now, where are you going to be next So people are thinking about, you know, because I know you are out there all about, you know, I know you do lectures, and I know you're out there at different events. What's your next event? Well, the next thing coming up is March
4: 31st. Uh, I'm going to be doing a special seminar for the Autism Tree Foundation in Point Loma, San Diego. So for anyone that's in that vicinity, uh, please check us out. You can find it on my blog, on my uh, website, or you can go to Autism Tree. There's lots of different ways to sign up. The tickets are half price right now, I believe. And, <clears throat> excuse me, the seats are limited because it's in their new space. Uh, So you should definitely check into that, but that's where I will be next. And in the meantime, uh, I just want everyone to be wishing us luck because we are working on getting this pilot uh, taken care of and, and out there so everyone can watch. There's no show like the show that we've created to make sure that all this information is readily available to everyone and can teach and empower parents how to do these things um, on a budget without it being crazy expensive and to make an immediate significant difference for their child and their entire family. And that's, that's our goal, uh,
3: is to uh, empower, educate, and inspire. Those are the three words we live by. <laughs> I love it. When I also, if listeners are listening um, and wondering, you know, how can they get in touch with you? Like, basically, I know you do consults, and you also can go to people's homes as as well. Yeah, I do personal consultations. Um, I can
4: consult with practically, you know, anybody. And we travel internationally. We've done some work with um, the military in Japan as well. So there's no way... um, uh, the point is that anyone, anywhere, can work with us. So whether it's Skype, whether it's uh, directly on the phone, I can certainly come to you myself. Uh, there's a million ways to work with us: seminars, workshops, and so all you need to do is get a hold of us directly at either info at Brush of Love or Lauren at Brush of Love, and then tell us what you're interested in. You can see on our site if you go to services. You'll learn a bit more about what we have to offer in the seminars, the workshops, as you said, personal consultations. Oftentimes, we can direct you how to do your, the redesign uh, in steps, or we can come in and do the whole thing for you. So no matter where you are in your situation, there is a way for us to help you. So just know that.
3: Oh my goodness there I'm again I wish I would have found you years ago but I'm so glad I've met you now and I know that people are listening and a lot of people a lot of people just sometimes don't think about the colors and the designs and it's uh,
4: actually the one thing that people ever consider because there's so much that, there's so much that their parents are barraged with you know in terms of uh, whether it be medications, diets all sorts of different therapies and all of these I'm not certainly saying that any of these things are not important I'm just saying a lot of the um, angst can be minimized so much, but just by doing the things that are more obvious and are, are you know, in our surroundings. And, and you know, if it makes a difference for you, just imagine the immense difference it makes for
3: your child. Uh, absolutely, I'm right there with you. And um, and as you as were talking, I was thinking about, you know thinking especially about children on the spectrum, are there, um, like, basic color rules that we should be following when we're designing, you know, let's say, um, a particular space for our children, whether it be um, a bedroom or, in, you know, a family room or, or whatnot, where our kids are going to be. Is there particular guidelines? I mean, I'm thinking of all the different colors. And I love when you were talking to Lisa, the caller um, prior, she was, you know, asking about her some of her favorite colors. You know, are there rules when we're looking for our kids? Well, the thing is, I you know, because each child
4: is so unique in terms of literally being like a thumbprint, I try not to be um, too broad, not to paint too broad of a stroke, if you will, uh, because yeah. each child is so different. But the one thing I can easily say is if your child obviously needs to be more calmed and and pacified, you want to always, as a rule, stay away from a lot of the primary colors just because your child says to you... and all parents, we're all guilty of this. You know, mom or dad, they show you the color that they really love. I want this. I want that. And you think, oh, my God, let me just please this child. So you want to just paint the whole room in that color or put superheroes or whatever it is that child likes everywhere. I would say to avoid that. that that's one okay. of my, that and fluorescent lighting. Because just because your child likes something doesn't mean it's best on a grand scale. And. Okay. It's very hard, of course, to deny um, their request, but there are ways to validate them by doing what they ask on a much smaller scale. So you could have an accent in maybe a particular color, or you can have one or two pictures of the thing that they love in a very small frame and have it minimized and controlled. So there are ways to to kind of... um, pacify them, and make sure that you're doing the best thing for them. But certainly um, for most, not all children, but for most, I would say, to stay away from the ultra-bright primaries as a uh, major color in a space.
3: So like let's hypothetically they say they like blue, but don't pick the primary blue. Maybe like, you were talking to um, one of the first colors, I think her name was Janet, about like a more of a deeper blue.
4: Yeah, you know, I wouldn't always look directly at if they, if they like a neon blue or a, tr- a bright, bright royal or, tr- or a turquoise type of blue. And again, the one thing I want people to remember is that even though we're talking about specific names of colors, what is tr- uh, tr- uh, excuse me turquoise to you in your head yeah. right now is going to be different to me. And that's the other thing, is that people don't realize, and I do this in my seminars, and and people are shocked. Uh, I do a whole, you know, exercise where I up and people have to basically do an exercise of uh, discussing their immediate reactions to those colors. And people are shocked at the differences of one another's reactions, and that's another thing people do not realize is when we're talking about the color red, I promise
3: you right now, the color you have in your head is different from the color I have in mine. Isn't that fascinating? Color is just such uh, to me, it's just such an amazing thing and it really brings so much energy and it can do so much, you know, good in the world. I can't imagine the world with black and white.
4: <laughs> yeah, well, and that's, that's the thing. I mean, I even have parents who say, well, my child wants a black bedroom. Okay, well, there are ways to accommodate that, too. Do I think anybody should have a full-on black bedroom? No. Does that mean that no one will function? I'm sure there are some people that can function like that, but that is certainly not something I would ever recommend. But there are ways to accommodate that request and still have it work for that child, and that's the thing parents have to understand. But first they have to see and understand for themselves by experiencing it, which is why I do it in my seminars and my workshops, what it is, to th- how it affects them, and how it affects their peers differently that they did not realize. And then all of a sudden the light switch goes on, and it's, oh, my gosh, they have an epiphany. I did not, I had no idea. Because we can, we take it for granted. We can, like you said, I can walk out of Home Depot. I realize that maybe something is bothering me in a particular space, a light, a color. But your children can't always do that. And you know that they react very often. It can be similar if they're happy or if they're upset. And they can't express it. So it's
3: really important to understand color. Not to mention, text, I, know, were I, know we're gonna, and, I know we're going to be going to a commercial break here in a little bit, but before we do, I wanted to kind of just touch a little bit, and we can, you know, um, finish this up on the next segment. But when a parent's sitting there and they're thinking to themselves, okay, how can you determine if your decor is either helping or hurting your child and what's something they can do right now? Like if they're sitting there listening, let's say they're in their living room and they're looking around, what's something that they need to look for to get a better understanding whether or not they're doing it right or wrong? Or, and I hate to use the word right or wrong, but I guess the best way, um, would say, is the best asset um, what their environment is right now. and uh, well- Actually, I think we're going to commercial break right now, Lauren. So as soon as we get back, Lauren will answer that question. And as um, you guys are listening, this is a time to call in. This is our last segment, and we'll be right back.
0: Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness.
7: Com.
1: Tuesday mornings at
2: 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on 7th Wave Network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope, with your hosts, Terry Aranga and Kristen Selby Gonzalez. If you have a question or comment, call us toll free at 1 866 472 5792. Now back to the program. Here are Terry and Kristen.
3: Hi, everyone. Um, I am the host this week. This is Kristen Selby-Gonzalez, and we have been speaking with Lauren S. Henry, who is the founder and president of With a Brush of Love. And right before we went to commercial break, she was talking about some tips that we can look for when we're looking in our decor and, and how we know if we're on the right track.
4: Well, one of there, there are actually a few things you can do. The first thing I want to just say is that I tell parents all the time to take the time to journal, no matter what your child's age is, it's really important that you take one week and really observe your child. And if there's two parents there, then I think each parent needs to have their own journal and not discuss it. They need to put down their own observations about where your child goes when they're feeling good, when they're not feeling good, when they're agitated, their sleeping patterns, et cetera, and so forth. You really need to pay attention to that when you're around them and I say that they, parents should not share their observations because each parent sees completely different things.
3: And when you come well, then, and you discuss it at the end of the week, you're always shocked. Well, and then also I know that you have a weekly blog too that you get tips weekly. Is that correct? Correct.
4: The other thing is that you can go to our Facebook fan page and stay on top of our good news. There's open forums for conversation and then also where you can ask me questions. And if you go to my um, homepage at brushoflove.com, you can sign up for our free weekly tips. So you'll get three free weekly tips um, every week obviously, and also you can blog um, I send out a blog, obviously, and, of course, we look for people's comments. So there's so many ways to connect with me directly, but that is something I highly recommend because I, I give information whenever possible to um, assist in exactly these types of last-minute or um, immediate needs in terms of questions.
3: Very cool. Well, And I know we have a caller right now. Rachel from Florida, are you there?
8: Are you? Let's see.
3: Hi, Rachel. How are you? Good. How are you doing? I'm doing good. You have a question for Lauren?
8: Yes, I do. Um, I'm super stressed out at work, Lauren, and the problem is I can't paint the walls. So I was wondering if there are some tips you can give me on how to change the room and make me a little bit less stressed each day.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Wonderful question, Rachel. Thanks so much for calling in. Um, If you can just tell me a few little things about your space, I can certainly try to help.
8: Well, uh, I'm in a small office. I was just moved from a larger one, so I have big furniture. Um, I have a bookcase and a credenza and an L-shaped desk. And I look at the walls, and I have a couple pictures, but the walls are just like a, a yellowy, um, off-whitish, like a cream color, um, I'd say. And that's basically it. I'm just a little boxed in.
4: <laughs> uh, I hear you. I can feel it already. <laughs> um, is it just you in the space?
8: Yep, it's just me.
4: Okay, so that's good. And is there a window? No. Oh.
8: No one okay, even harder.
4: All right, so first of all, since they won't let you paint, which they should, but if they won't,
5: <laughs> then
4: um, and you have probably fluorescent lighting, right,
5: oh, above yeah. you? Yep. <laughs> okay.
4: So what I want you to do is I want you to go and get a standing light like I suggested at okay. Target or Walmart, you know, they're like 15 bucks and get your own light bulbs. I don't want you to, if you can help it, I don't want you to use their lights. Just turn off the lights.
5: Okay.
4: Um, Unless it's like pitch, pitch dark. I don't know how bad it is, but, you know, you might have to get more than one standing light. But if that doesn't work, then the only thing you can really do is I would put plants. Make sure you have plants in the space. Um, And they can even be fake since you don't have a window. That might be hard unless you get some indoor plants, which, um, again, my book has this information, but there's one that's very basic that's called a cornstalk dracaena. And all it is is a plant with, it's got the um, big oval leaves and it's got a yellow stripe down the center. They're very easy to maintain indoors and they're at all the stores and they're not expensive. You can ask anybody at a Lowe's or a Home Depot, ironically, that we're mentioning again. Um, And uh, between the lighting, the plants, you want to have a few pictures of the things that make you feel good. You want to have a little music. Are you able to have some music? Yeah. Okay, so make sure you have music that is, again, sustaining. It's not going to pull your attention where you have to sing, and it's not going to make you too sleepy. Um, You want to make sure that the pictures around you are minimal, but also something that makes you feel good when you look at it, and you want to minimize the clutter around you. So depending on the kind of furniture that you have, make sure that uh, things stay somewhat out of your vision when you're not using them. If you can bring in a small carpet throw rug, that, again, is something that has a little bit of pop, or when you look at it, again, it makes you feel good, but it's not overly um, chaotic in terms of its pattern. Those things make you feel a little warmer in the space and gives you a little more control over it as well. Does that make sense?
8: Yeah, that does make sense.
4: So you want to make it your own, but you don't want to just put – stuff everywhere, which is what a lot of people do. They bring in tons of pictures. They, they just try to make it like a room in their house. You don't want the clutter. You want to remember it's still your office. So you want to put things around you that are going to inspire focus and get you motivated in a space that's clearly doing the opposite. But the lighting is going to be very important, and I, I, I know not having a window is extremely difficult, so you definitely need to bring the outdoors in. Okay. You'll see it makes an immediate difference, at least having the plants.
8: Oh, yeah, I hope so. (laughs) Okay, and
4: feel free to email me at Lauren at Brush of Love, and I can try to help you a little more.
8: Oh, good. I'll send you a picture of my box.
4: (laughs) Absolutely. All righty? And we'll talk a little bit.
8: Thank you so much. You're very welcome.
3: Thanks so much, Rachel. Take care. Bye. Bye, Rachel. Wow, these are some great questions that you're getting, and I know that listeners are listening thinking, gosh, like, you know, these are just things even um, because a lot of times parents forget to take care of themselves in their space. Always, always. And imagine, I mean, well, imagine, you know, you're at work, you're all stressed out. I'm thinking of Rachel there. And you come home to be with your special needs child. But now imagine if you've now created your work atmosphere to where it is more calming, it is more energetic. So when you come home, all that tension isn't there on your shoulders. So, you know, as listeners are listening, I hope they're, they're taking this in not just for their special needs child or their typical children, but also for themselves.
4: Absolutely. Very good point, and thank you for that, because especially in well, women this, focus on themselves. This,
3: this hour has gone by so fast. I swear, Lauren, you're going to have to come back another time because this has just been such a great and fun show, and I'm so grateful that you came and talked with all of us. Well, I enjoyed it thoroughly. Thank you so much for the opportunity. And, again, guys, don't forget, you can find her um, at her website at um, www.brushalove.com. And um, thank you so much for all of you guys listening and um, remembering that progress for one of our kids provides hope for all. And uh, stay tuned for next week. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye.
2: Enzamedica would like to thank you for listening to Autism One, A Conversation of Hope. For more information, go to autismone.org. Tune in next Tuesday for another hour of education and conversation on Autism One, A Conversation of Hope, with hosts Terry Aranga and Kristen Selby-Gonzalez.